to Kenny's trailer, and we are smashing them down in this trailer. Here's a picture. We are smashing these, tree, uh, these uh, leaves down, and they were just packed. And then one of my daughters, Lucy, I mean, we, we needed everybody to kind of stomp through and make it really pack down so we get more and more in. But then I saw something that I was like, oh no. I saw one of my daughters with only one shoe on when she was in there. <laughs> and so I said, Lucy, where's your shoe? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and so as you can see in this picture, there was about six or seven. Actually, you can't even see everybody because some people are like swimming in this. Like, like there's like somebody in front. I mean, there's like six or seven of us adults like in there trying to find this shoe. And at one point I was thinking, is this really worth it? It's probably like a five or ten dollar shoe, like just whatever. And when there was some talk, well, maybe, maybe we can just like when we are unloading it into the, into the city dump, and it's going to be, you know, maybe we'll be able to find it as we're unloading. And other people are like, no chance. <laughs> no chance at all. Because that was, it was just, the leaves are so compact. Now, now this shoe was miraculously rescued. We have a picture of that. Next, there we go. <laughs> it, it took probably about 15 minutes and about six or seven, eight people, manpower, like going through. And I mean, I was... I was thinking it was gone. I mean, it was somebody said, it's like a needle in a haystack. How in the world are you going to find this shoe? And thank you, Megan, for not giving up. Because <laughs> now Lucy has a pair of shoes. <laughs> but I, I just, as, we, as we talk about this idea today of the God who rescues, I just thought this was a great way to, to remind us that it is hopeless without God. There's nothing that we can do that's going to rescue ourselves. And this shoe was on its way, I mean, kind of like to a hell. <laughs> I mean, it was going to a place that was going to be on fire. And like, I mean, it was, it was going to be bad. But this, but in, in, in the mercy, I don't, know, I don't know if it was God's mercy or what. I mean, there was some prayers. That was cool that I heard some prayers like over the shoe. <laughs> but we found the shoe. And, and so that, that's a, just a... a, a a fun way of thinking about the, the way that we need salvation. And we, need, we all need rescued. Uh, thank you to all that, were, that came out yesterday and helped. Uh, it, was a, it was a fun day. We got a lot done. Uh, and it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I love seeing us work together on different places. I, I wasn't at every place that we went to. But I hope the people that were, um, that were there felt really blessed. And especially the ones that... Uh, we did the work for. So thank you to, for Rich for organizing that and Matt uh, and everybody else that was out there yesterday for our work day. Um, so as, we, as you know, we've been going through a series called The God of Abraham, The God of Jacob, and, or The God of Isaac and The God of Jacob. And so each of these three men are trying to figure out who is God. And we, it's not just that we are trying to, not just that they are trying to figure out who is God, but it helps us to understand who is this God. And we see over and over and over that God is faithful. And so today we're going to be looking at Genesis 32 and part of 33 about how God is faithful in rescuing. And so there's been some different themes that we've been looking at, starting in Genesis 12 with Abraham, that God 
uh, who is the God who calls is the God who blesses. So we see very clearly that God's calling Abraham, then he's, he's blessing Abraham, not just for himself, but for, to be a blessing to others. And then we saw later that God, who, um, who makes promises, is faithful to keep them with this miraculous story of, of Isaac being born to a 90-year-old woman. And then we saw later uh, that the God who the God who tests is the God who provides. So God is, is testing Abraham. Are you really going to sacrifice your, your one and only son? Uh, it's a foreshadowing of what God did for us. He, he sacrificed his only son so that we can be saved. And then uh, we saw about the God who provides and the God who amazes and the God who stays. Uh, then last week we looked at the God who protects is worthy of our trust. The God who protects is worthy of our trust. And we saw this in Genesis uh, 31 about how, how God protects, uh, and he, he directed, and he uh, defended, and he delivered. And this was the story of, of Jacob when he was on the run again, but this time on the run with all of his family uh, and all of his um, new possessions and just the wealth that he had. And he was on the run, and his father-in-law caught up with him and God protected Jacob from that. Uh, and so today we're going to be looking mostly in Genesis 32. And so I encourage you to open your Bibles to Genesis 32. And we're going to be looking at what, just right where it picks up from last week. Um, so in Genesis 32, and we're going to start today. Actually, I'll just, I'll just kind of highlight what happens right at the end of, or right at the beginning of Genesis 32. And then we're going we're gonna to skip down to, to verse 22 in a minute. Um, so in, in Genesis 32, we can see right away that, that Jacob is now free from Laban. And Laban and Jacob have said goodbye to each other. And now Jacob is focused on his brother. Now remember, he's on, 20 years ago, he was on the run getting away from his brother because he stole the birthright from his brother and his mom said, get out of town because your brother's going to kill you. So that's, now he's coming back, and he doesn't know. He hasn't, there's no texting. There's no communication. There's no way he knows if, if Esau is still wanting to kill him or not. Okay? And, and so he's coming back, and now he has... He was on the run before. He had nothing with him. Now he has 20 years of, of very fruitful blessings family, and wealth. So then it says, um, let's see. So then Jacob was, Jacob was then praying, uh, he, or he sends messengers to find out. Okay, go ahead and, and tell my brother that I want to find favor in his eyes. And, and the brother, or the messenger comes back and says, um, your brother is coming with 400 men. Okay, so at this point, Jacob is super worried. Okay, if, if you found out that someone was mad at you 20 years ago and you haven't talked to them, and then all of a sudden they're coming to you, you don't know if it's in peace or not, but they're coming to you with 400 people, you can assume pretty, pretty safely that they're wanting to fight. And maybe not just fight, they're wanting to destroy you. They're wanting to take you down. And so Jacob is super worried. And so he turns to God and he prays. And essentially his prayer is, save me, God. Remember how you said that 
I'm going to be this descendant, and my, or my descendants are going to be like the sand and the seashore and all that. Remember, God? Remember you said that? Sometimes we remind God of his promises, which I think is it's good. It's okay. It's fine. But Jacob's reminding God, remember, I can't die here because, or maybe I can die because my descendants are already here, but my descendants can't die, right? So he's reminding God this, and then he's saying, please save me. So the, the thing that he's most desperate for in this hour is to be saved. So what he does is he brings, he, he kind of splits his, his family and his possessions and all this stuff into different groups, and he, because if they get attacked, that, that maybe not everybody would, get, would be killed. So he's thinking in, in defense, how to, how to save himself or save some of his family. And then he sends all these people, or he sends, he sends his, okay, he's like, well, if I'm, probably he's thinking this, if I'm going to lose all these possessions anyways, I'm going to make my brother happy or appease him with these gifts. Uh, and so he sends these gifts. Okay, here's some gifts, so send these along and then tell my brother these are for him. And, you know, and then here's some more gifts. Here's some more gifts. He keeps sending gifts. He's trying to appease his brother. I know sometimes we do that as parents. Probably not the best way of parenting, just appeasing your kids. No, don't do that. <laughs> um, but Jacob is trying to appease. He's trying to, to, to be saved. And so he's, he's not sure that God's going to save him. He's trying to do it on his own, trying to figure out how he can be saved. And then he, he comes... He crosses, actually, let's pick it up in, in verse 22 then. And it says, That night Jacob got up, and he took his two wives and his two female servants. Remember, there's four women that all have kids from him because of all the chaos and the drama that happened with the sisters. <laughs> and then he took his 11 sons, and I assume he took his, also his daughter, um, and, they, and they crossed the fort of Jabok. Now, Jabok and Jacob, similar sounds in Hebrew there. And he crosses this river. And he sent them across the stream. After this, he sent over all his possessions. So essentially, all of his family, all of his possessions, everything he has is now crossing this river. And now we're going to find out Jacob is alone. So in verse 24, it says, Jacob was alone. He was left alone. Think about this. He was alone when he met God on the run. Now he's all alone. Maybe for the first time in a long time. He's all alone again. And then it says something a little bit bizarre in the Bible. It says, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when I was reading this to one of my kids this week, they said, why? <laughs> and I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What? I don't know. Because she, she was like, why was there a man wrestling with Jacob? Well, I don't know. I'm not into wrestling. I'm not, I mean, I did do that in one, one part of high school. But I'm usually not into wrestling. I, I don't just be like, hey, let's just go wrestle. Now, if you ask some of my nephews, they are all into wrestling. So when they read this verse, they're probably like, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're in the wrestling. To me, it just doesn't compute. Okay, so how did this conversation start up? Or how did the, you just see a guy and you're like, start wrestling? I don't know. I, it doesn't say. So we can kind of imagine some of that there. But we find out they're wrestling until daybreak. Now, 
it's probably the middle of the night, so it's probably not like hours and hours, but it's longer than just a little normal wrestling match. It's, it's going on for a while. And verse 25 says, When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of, of Jacob's hip, so that the hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Now, two things about this. First of all, we find out that this man isn't just a man. It is actually God. Now, theologically, it's really hard to understand, even for me, why God was wrestling a person like Jacob. But secondly, even harder to understand is like, it it says here that the man could not overpower Jacob. Okay, so that's, there's a little bit of, we know that God has all power and he has, you know, he can, he could overpower it. But in this case, for some reason, there's, there's something about this that's confusing, okay? He, He said he couldn't overpower him. I believe that God can overpower anything, anytime, any place. But for some reason here, whatever the circumstance was, that maybe it was just some understanding of how this went. But so it says that he touched his hip. And, and really, when I read about this, this is, this, he dislocated his hip. He's making Jacob now not just unable to wrestle very well, but now he's unable to walk very well the rest of his life. And so, as we see these verses here, you know, and we look at, and we look at God. The, God is first, he's engaging in our struggle. And, and this is our point, the first point today, is that, that God, the God who is going to rescue, he's also engaging in our struggle. So here he is, Jacob's asking this question, save me, save me, save me. He gets by himself, he's alone, and then God wrestles him. Now, there's no other parts of the Bible that talk about God wrestling somebody. But God engaged in Jacob in what he needed right then. And he does that for us too. He engages with us in our pain and with us when we, are, we don't know if we're about to die. If this is our last night to live, we don't know. But God engages us. He enters in. You know, Jacob was asking Please hear my prayers. Please save me. You know, he, God was testing his perseverance here. God was, was meeting in the struggle. And, J, and Jacob continues the rest of his life to persevere. He continues throughout his life to walk with a limp. And I bet every time he walked with that limp, I bet he remembered the encounter he had with God. And I bet even when we have difficulty, even when we have something that's in our life that, that's hard, that it helps us remember that God is faithful and that God is good. And it doesn't mean we have to walk perfectly. It doesn't mean we have to do everything perfectly, but it means we need to trust in our God. So then in in verse 26, let's continue here. In in verse 26, it says, Then the man said, so this is is God, from what we understand. This is God. He said, Let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. Now remember, Jacob has been blessed abundantly for the last 20 years. He's been so, so blessed with resources, with with wealth, with family. And, And he, remember, he stole his brother's birthright. 
And so he still is craving a blessing. He's still craving something. And he won't let God go until he blesses him. And so God answers the man, or answers Jacob saying, he doesn't say, okay, sounds good. He says, what's your name? Now, it's always a strange, it's always strange for me whenever God asks a question. Because God always knows the answer, doesn't he? Yeah, he always knows the answer. So why is he asking a question here? Especially a really basic one. What's your name? What is that all about? I mean, yeah, he's, he wrestles with him in the middle of the night. Maybe it's a good idea to know his name. But if it's God, he already knows his name. So Jacob answered his name, Jacob. And then in, in verse 20, it says, Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now here, it's really interesting. This question, what is your name? Has God ever asked you, what is your name? I'm guessing he hasn't. But, Jacob, what, did, what does Jacob mean? Does anybody remember? Jacob? Supplanter. Supplanter. Of course, Jacob knows. <laughs> Deceiver. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> yeah. It's, in this case, uh, uh, the name Jacob is a nice name. Sorry, Jacob. But the name Jacob is a really great name. But in this case, God is saying, what are you known by? What is your identity? When you think about yourself, or when other people, especially your parents and your brother, when they think about you, what are you to them? You're a deceiver. You're no good. But God, in His mercy, says, no more. I'm not going to call you deceiver anymore. I'm going to call you Israel. And we're like, okay, Israel. Yay, Israel. That's, we know Israel. Israel is the, you know, he, it's what the country is. It's what the people, the rest of the Old Testament is all about Israel, right? The Israelites. But what does Israel mean? Because this is what, it's all about here, that identity here. The identity of Jacob is deceiving. The identity that God is giving Jacob He's giving him a new name. And that identity, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll read you what it says in a, a commentary here. It says, in verse 28, the name Israel, uh, because of the way it's constructed, usually indicates the subject of a verb. But here, it means God fights. God fights. The name will replace the name Jacob. It will be both a promise and a call for faith in his life. And so, essentially, to be successful with God meant that he had to be crippled by his own self-sufficiency, and he had to think about his name being God fights. Not I fight, 
Not I can do it. Not I'm successful. Not whatever I am, but it's about God. And that I need to be sufficient. I need to be depending on Him, not self sufficient. And so our second point today is that the God who rescues changes our identity. He changes us from what we think we have been known or what we think we are to what He sees us. You know, and in that song we sang earlier, it says we were beggars and now we're royalty. And it says that we are forgiven, we're accepted, we're redeemed by His grace. God changes our identity to say, you are now mine. You are adopted. You're chosen. You're part of my family. You are no longer on your own. So God who rescues, He changes our identity. And then let's look and see what it says in the next verse. So Genesis 32, verse 29, it says, so, G- so Jacob said, please tell me your name. Remember, <laughs> remember he, he just was told what his new name is. So I think he's trying to be like, all right, I know you're God. Do you... T- you gave me a new name. What's your name? Because we don't know what your name is. That's why, we, that's why everybody says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. People say that because they don't know his name. But God doesn't tell him his name here because he doesn't want him to focus on his name. He wants him to focus on, his, on, on Jacob's new name, Israel. I mean, actually, I don't know why God didn't say it, but that's maybe an idea. But he doesn't give him his name. He doesn't... Later we find out, Moses finds out what God's name is, but that was years later. So he says, what is your name? And, and then he asks, why do you ask me my name? I don't know if this is just a rhetorical question or what, but God's saying, why do you want to know? He doesn't tell him. And then he blessed him right there. So what he was asking for earlier, he's really wanting to, you know, I'm not letting you go until, until you bless me. Now God says, Right, you're blessed. And Jacob, all that place, Peniel, saying, it's because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. He knows who God is. His life was spared. And not just that he saw his face to face, he was wrestling with God. And then the next verse, in verse 31, says, the sun rose above him. And as he was limping, because, and he was limping because of his hip, Okay. For to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tenon attached to the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tenon. So this is giving some context of what, what they do with customs. All right, so Jacob here, which his new name is Israel, but the next few, verses, next few parts still talk about using his name Jacob. So here, he, has, he knows that he's with God. He, he is, you know, he, he gets blessed and he sees as his, you know, when he sees his blessing, or he knows he's blessed, um, then he calls this place 
Peniel. And, and, and so he goes, I know this is, I was with God. I know here he was. He's with me. The rest of Jacob's life, he can trust God because he was with him. Even though he was in the struggle, even though he's now walking with a limp, he knows he can trust God. And our, uh, our third point today is that God, who, the God who rescues is the God who blesses beyond our desires. So he wanted, Jacob wanted to know these things. But really what he wanted is he wanted to be saved. We're going to find out what happens then with Esau. It wasn't just that he was saved, but Jacob was blessed beyond his own desires. He was blessed in a greater way because he got to be with God and he got to experience God and he got to understand what to have a relationship with God. And... and, and uh, so let's read this in the first part of thir- chapter 33. It says, When Jacob looked up and he, he saw Esau. So, right, I mean, so he's just had this encounter with God and he was coming with his 400 men. So he divided his children among the, the women and he put the female servants and the children in front. <laughs> Interesting. Because <laughs> they would be the first one to be attacked. Uh, so he's kind of saved the best for last. Uh, Leah was with her children next, and then Rachel and Joseph were there. So, like his most prized possessions, sadly, I say possessions, but you know, his most treasured family, he put at the end in case they could make it out alive. And, and he said, and he himself went ahead and bowed down on the ground. Seven times he approached his brother, bowing down. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. What? He embraced him. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like God. That sounds like God did a miracle there. Because I don't know if when Esau ran with his 400 men out to go find Jacob, if he was going to kill him, or if he was just so excited he brought 400 men. I don't know. I, I mean, hey, my brother's home. Let's go have a party as we find him. I don't know. But when they, when they encounter each other, he doesn't kill him. And Esau embraced him, and he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. Of course they wept. They hadn't seen each other in 20 years, and the last time they saw each other was not good. And Esau looked up and saw the women and children. Who are these with you? Jacob answered, they are my children, the children of God, the children that God has graciously given me, your servant. And Jacob answered, oh yeah, I said that. Uh, and then verse 6, it says, And the, the female servants and the children approached, and they bowed down. And next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. And last of all, Joseph and Rachel, and they too bowed down. Uh, and Esau asked, What's the meaning of all these flocks and herds that I've met? What's the meaning of all these gifts that you've given me? And he says very clearly here, to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he says. To find favor. I don't want you to kill me. <laughs> but Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob says, No, please. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For to see your face is like seeing the face of God. 
now that you have received me favorably. And so then it says in the next verse that he does. But, but Jacob, he's trying to appease his brother in his own way. And his brother says, no, I don't even want this, these gifts. And so he is seeing that God has miraculously worked here. That God saved his life. That, and then he has everything he needs. None of his family's killed. And only the things that were taken from him are this, the gifts that he insisted on giving. And, and so Jacob here, he, he sought to find favor or to be saved from his brother. And he sought to be blessed through his whole life. And he sought the identity of who he was wrestling with. And Jacob received the blessing. And Jacob received a new identity. And now Jacob is saved from his brother. So what he wanted, he got everything. Now he didn't know the name of God, but he got everything that he needed and more. He was blessed beyond measure. And as I, as I think about this, our, especially during Thanksgiving time, sometimes we have to think, okay, uh, all right, the month of November, let's think about what we're thankful for. And sometimes it, maybe it takes some of us a little bit, uh, okay, I guess my family, I guess this, I guess that. No. Like, God has blessed us in abundant ways. He has blessed us so much. And I think sometimes we just kind of get used to all the blessings that we don't even realize what they are anymore. They kind of lose their flavor. They kind of lose their, their satisfaction. They kind of lose that they are, they're really good things because it's a lot easier to focus on the hard things. It's a lot easier to focus on the pain that's that's in my hip or the the problems that we have right in front of us oh my my brother's about to kill me help me yes we need to cry out to god so our main idea today is that the god who rescues offers salvation to all who believe the god who rescues god the father sent his son jesus to save and rescue us, anyone who puts their faith and trust in the name of Jesus will be saved. And so, this Thanksgiving and every day, let's be thankful that if you have salvation in Jesus, that God has rescued you from eternal damnation. And not just eternal damnation, but God rescues us and He brings us to Himself. So we can be with him forever. And just like that, that lost shoe yesterday in the bottom of the, the leaf pile, there was no chance that that shoe would ever be saved. There was no chance. That, that shoe was destined, once it was lost, it was destined for destruction. And without God... Without God rescuing us, that's all of us too. That we are destined for destruction. Except not just earthly destruction. We're destined for eternal torment and terribleness because we're without, without God. And so today, if you have not put your complete faith and your complete trust in the name of Jesus alone, 
Don't wait. Don't wait another moment. Jesus offers salvation to all who believe. Jesus willingly came, and he's the rescue plan. He came to live a perfect life. He, lived, he came and showed us as a, as a man how to live. And he was willingly, willingly he went to the cross in our place. He died so that we could be saved. And so Jesus offers salvation to all who believe. Don't reject this gift. It's a free gift. It was a gift that Jesus, it, it took, it was a lot of pain and a lot of, I mean, he was away from God for, for the, I mean, he says, Father, why have, why have you turned from me? Please, don't forsake me. Jesus was away from his Father. He was, a, he was taking on the sins on his back that we commit. The sins that separate us from the love of God, sorry, not the love of God, the sins that separate us from God, because nothing can separate us from the love of God, but the sins that separate us from God, He took so that we can be eternally saved. I know some people just want to try to live a good life and say, hey, if I just do better, if I just do better than, than bad, I'll probably be okay. Or maybe, maybe, right before I die, I'll be, I can accept Jesus and live for Him. You don't know when that is. I mean, yesterday, we were about to give up on looking for that shoe. That shoe was about to be gone. Oh, well, maybe we'll find it right when we're pushing it in. Maybe we'll find it. Well, maybe we won't. Don't let that be you. If you want to trust in Jesus... Don't wait. So I just encourage you to all, everyone close their eyes, pray. And if there's someone here today, maybe someone watching online or, or listening, that has not ever received Jesus, I'm speaking to you right now. Maybe you've gone to church a lot. Maybe you've done a lot of really good things. Maybe you know all about Jesus, but have never said, Jesus, save me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, I accept your gift. I'm speaking to you, and not just me speaking to you, but the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, saying, please, don't wait another day. So if that's you, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, the one who rescues you. Please just raise your hand. If you want to receive Jesus today, and we can pray a prayer together. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is how you pray. Something like this. God, please forgive me of my sins. God, thank you for rescuing me from eternal death. Thank you, Jesus, that you loved me enough to take my place on the cross. Jesus, I want to know you. 
I want to live for you. I want to be rescued by you. Please help me to trust you. Please help me to know how to be bold for you. My sins as far as the east is from the west. And thank you, Jesus, that your blood was shed so that I could be saved. Please help me to be a witness for you to others and to grow in this relationship with you today and beyond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you, if that's, if that's a prayer that you prayed or if that's a prayer that, that you've maybe renewed your, your commitment to Christ, please talk to somebody. I'm willing, I'd love to talk to you. Uh, one of the elders would love to talk to you. Talk to somebody that can encourage you as you've made this big step today. And I just want to take a, take a moment as, and for all of us to think about this question. How has the Lord blessed me beyond my desires? So take just a moment and think about this, and then we'll sing a response song. Thank you, Jesus.